Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Gutter to Gutter Podcast. I just wanted to start off by giving a big shout out to the Never Late Podcast. New podcast, new Aussie podcast guys doing automotive stuff and also getting back into the street machine reviews. So a really cool podcast to go listen to guys. Uh, Moses and I are over there doing great stuff. I think there might be three or four episodes in there. Go and check them out guys. Really cool guys. I think you're going to love it. In this episode, I'm joined by Doug Rogers. Doug Rogers is Mr. Piston Face. He does piston art, uh, which I've just started to try and get into myself, uh, mainly because of his encouragement and the help of uh, Andrew Grimmer from Grim Industries, who sent me out a few pistons to sort of give it a crack on. So thank you to both of those guys. Thank you to Doug Rogers for joining me for this episode. Hope you guys enjoy. I know I certainly did. It was a it was a very uh, very out there episode, so I'm pretty excited for you guys to hear it. Unfortunately, again, guys, my audio suffered. Uh, I think I'm on top of it now. Uh, one thing I do want to also mention is that after next week's episode, I'm going to have a little bit of a break. Uh, I've kind of I've kind of been burning the candle at both ends, uh, getting into the podcast. So I'm just going to have a little bit of a break. Don't worry, there will still be behind-the-scenes work going on. I'll still be trying to secure new guests and all that sort of gear. But i just got to try and rethink the way I do the podcast. At the moment, I'm just kind of flat out into it. And um, I think I need to sort of sit sit back a little more and just take it a bit easier. So don't sweat. I will get back into it. I'm just going to have a couple, couple of weeks off. And um, we'll get back into it. So thank you guys. Thank you so much for putting up with this rant for now. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed Doug Rogers. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I think you're going to love him. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy Doug Rogers. Hello, welcome to another episode of Gutter to Gutter podcast. I'm Static, and joined with me today, tonight, depending on which time zone you're from, is Mr. Piston Face himself, Doug Rogers. How are you, mate? I'm doing. I'm doing awesome. Happy to be here, and thank you very much for the invite. Not a problem, mate. Now this is a, another one that we've had a fair, fair effort trying to get together, but we finally got here. Uh, time zones are a thing. I'm not real good at maths, apparently, um, but we got there. We finally, yeah. we finally made it happen. I don't have enough fingers to add up all the hours between us there, the difference there. So, so I think we just kind of made it work and caught each other at the, at the good time where we're still awake and a yeah. little bit loosened still. Yeah. So, yeah, pretty, so I think pretty cool. When, when I initially sort of, we initially start, uh, set the date, um, and time, I think I'd counted forward an amount of hours instead of sort of forward and backwards sort of thing. Like, yeah, it was, yeah. yeah it, it was a fair mess up and then and then i got called out for work so that was a thing as well um so i think by the time you you were sort of left in limbo at the time that we set which i didn't realize that i'd left you just sort of hanging you tried to call me i was asleep uh it was yeah it's been a whole thing so thank you so much for being patient with me mate and we're here which is awesome oh yeah it's cool i'm a talker anybody wants to talk to me i'll talk awesome, <laughs> so let's let's start off mate as we always do here right. tell us tell us a little bit about yourself Okay, well, uh, my name again is Doug Rogers. I just turned 55 a couple weeks ago. Um, I was um, 
my whole life I've been enamored by, and we always say our whole life, you know, but my dad was a, he had an engineering degree, mechanical engineering, and he worked for TWA, Transworld Airlines, and he always had like cool cars or hot rods growing up. Um, didn't really teach me anything about him because he, he liked the drink a little bit. Uh, so <laughs> I was the youngest in the, of three, and uh, my parents had divorced when I was eight, so I was always like raised in front of a TV set. You know, I had my BMX bike, my skateboard, and a TV set. And when the movie American Graffiti came out, you know, in the early 70s, um, man, Hot Rods, it, it was just, that's all I could do. I just focus on cars and cool cars. And, you know, we'd uh, have these things called graffiti nights. Um, and as a kid, I would get to go with my neighbor who had a 67 Corvette um, split window, 427 four speed. Um, he had a rock crusher in it because I could always hear it whining, but he took me <laughs> with him to this cruise night. And then I was just hooked, just all the attention the cars would get and things like that. So um, between that and uh, motocross was real big where I grew up. And there was all my heroes were either motocrossers, uh, Clint Eastwood movie star, uh, spaghetti westerns and stuff. And uh, anything to do with hot rods and cars, uh, car movies, car chase movies, um, all that stuff. So it kind of lit my fire for a passion for vehicles. And when I was, uh, when my parents had just divorced my dad, before I went to live with my mom, my dad built a, uh, 65 Jeep, uh, four wheel drive. And he somehow got a big block Chevrolet in it. So it had a 427 in it wow. with headers hanging out the, the fender wells. And I mean, there was almost nothing under the hood as from what I can remember. And he could, that thing would do wheelies all the time, you know, even with all that weight in the front, but it was such short wheelbase. But I just remember him going, getting mad, going out for a drive or something. And he'd always be walking back, you know, walking back home because he tore the tranny apart, broke a drive line or whatever. And then he sold that, but it was painted lime green. It had big tires for its day. You know, we're talking 1976 or so or 75 ish. Um, but I just had those memories of the cool sounds of, you know, big, you know, lopey camshafts and um, solid lifter cams with, you know, headers, all that, you know, where, when cars really sounded gnarly. And uh, yeah. they had they had something called uh, torque is what they used to call it. <laughs> so you didn't have to wind it up with a hairdryer before you get a torque curve, you know. Yeah. Uh, you, you see it would just step on it and throw you in the back seat. So, uh, so anyways, uh, keep going, I guess here, uh, going to my teenage years, you know, we, I was pretty poor growing up and then I got a, a 56 Ford pickup with a 351 Cleveland in it. Uh, before that I had a 69 Datsun 520 pickup with a 302 nice. in it and a narrow nine inch. And I put that into a pole before I had a driver's license. So then I traded it for the 56 Ford and then I traded the 56 Ford, um, so let's fast forward uh, between the ages of 16 and, or 15 and 26. I had 86 different vehicles. I would trade. I've had uh, in 11th grade, I had a nice 69 Chevelle with a built 350 in it. B&M slap shifter, star shifter. Um, that was fun. Uh, 69 El Camino, uh, geez, I had a 51 chop top Chevy truck with uh, 31 1650s under it. 
in the back and mm-hmm. it was channeled and you could set a pack of cigarettes sideways and it with the front bumper would just sit on it. And this is not with airbags. This is all pre airbag and it had a lot of square bodies. And so that, and I started working at a gas station at 18 years old and that's where I built that wagon. And I didn't know anything about cars, believe it or not. I just, I like the aesthetics and I like to make them look pretty. And I did this car show scene for a long time with this, that wagon, a couple of square bodies I had, Chevy trucks. And my friends would do all my real mechanical work. I tried to do stuff, but I was just messing things up. So I was at a crossroads uh, when about 25 years old, uh, when I was, the gas station was kind of winding down. That type of job was going more, you know, into the store and, you know, the service end of it was going away. And I had tools and my parents lived up in Salem, Oregon. I was, I was from San Diego, California. And I said, my mom says, well, there's a college here. Chemeketa Community College has an automotive program. And I had no direction growing up. My, my dad, everybody, my stepdad and everybody, they were all machinists and welders. Well, um, I would wrench my own dirt bike and stuff, but I didn't have a natural talent. I've already, I've always had to work at it, you know, work twice as hard as the other person to, to get the same thing done. It just didn't come natural. So I came up to move to Salem, Oregon in 92 and I went, uh, to Chemeketa and got a two year degree or an associate's degree in automotive technology. And then I was a working general motors technician up until 2018 and I became an instructor at the very program that I graduated from. So in 24 years, I worked in GM in a, in a high paced flat rate production trade. So my passion for hot rods waned. (laughs) I did not want, I didn't want modified cars and I didn't want things that, um, I just, didn't have the time I was pouring myself into my career and raising two kids. And, um, I met my wife in 1988 and we've been together ever since and just celebrated 33 years together. Um, don't make me do math. We're going to get in this well. time zone thing again, <laughs> but anyways, uh, she's in the other room trying to be quiet, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so cars have been and still are my passion. And I've actually, as an instructor, I was getting really burnt out in the dealership world. You know, the customers, you can't make anybody happy. Um, every car has a rattle on it until it hits 36,000 miles when it's just out of warranty. And then all of a sudden they don't make noise anymore because somebody has to pay you to diagnose it and fix it um but anyways it was a lot of buyer's remorse out there somebody you know a family of six gets sold a camaro you know and you can't fit them in there and then now they're bringing the car in every two weeks complain about something trying to get a buyback because they made the wrong choice but you know when you're there it's exciting um but i found that a lot of diesel, you know, I do, um, diesel pickups, you know, Duramax stuff was kind of my gig and anything bumper to bumper. I just, you know, I like to solve problems and figure it out. And like, like I said, it doesn't come natural, but I just, I push and I'm a pit bull and sometimes at my own peril, but once I figure it out, you just never forget that you pass that along to a younger generation. Hopefully, you know, somebody hangs around, you'd learn it. And that, that's kind of where I'm at. I guess I went too crazy on that explaining <laughs> stuff, but that's where I'm at now as I went to 
take a teaching gig and it paid way less than being a technician. So my brother-in-law is a teacher and he says, Hey, find that, that thing. Like he writes books and does talking. He, he started something called the Zen teacher and he tours all over and, uh, that's his side gig. And he said, you got to find a side gig that can allow you to make a little money, but yet you're, you know, you're not stressed out so much. And that's where I started carving pistons was back in 2017. I carried around a 550 SX jet ski piston forever. And I polished it up years, years ago for, and just kept it in the garage. Well, one day I just scratched a face on, I think I saw, uh, somebody showed me piston face army, which is, um, uh, Tyler, uh, Tigger welding. And the dude's amazing, but he does these little piston guys, and these are like little soldiers. And it, it, he is oh, amazing. <laughs> and so I started kind of looking around a little bit, and then I saw Barbie the Welder did a YouTube video on how to make a – it's still out there – on how to make a piston skull. And she just welded, welded on there, and I'm like, well, crap, I can't weld, you know, to save my life. So, uh, which is – ironically, I'm getting into that now. Um, but, uh, excuse me. Um, anyway, so I saw that and I got inspired to do it. I said, well, I'll just take my Dremel. So I used to build model cars and stuff and, um, from scratch with styrene and junk, little off-road racers and junk. And so I had these tools and I, I just scratched a face in there and made number number one and then I took it to work and my friends are, Hey, that's cool. Could you make me one? And then I made them one. And then I started just, I said, well, heck, I, I bought, I'd get on Craigslist or went, you know, uh, one of these, uh, like Facebook marketplace or something. And I would try and find cheap pistons and I would buy, go out and buy some pistons for $20 or something. And then I would just try to make faces in them, you know, and the, the first ones are really not that great because it takes time to hone any craft and I still am improving and I still don't think I have it down, but, uh, I just, finish number 367 and these are all done by hand with a dremel uh drill bits and a dremel and a little bit of imagination um i I wasn't born an artist Uh, i don't consider myself an artist i'm just a a working joe blue collar dude that this is my hobby it's something i do on the side and um uh, I've helped a lot of people along with some things and some people pay you back by copying your work to the exact nth, <laughs> and then they, you see it on Etsy and then it kind of makes you mad. But then, you know, it, it's a little flattering that they want to copy your work, but it's just like, don't copy my exact design, <laughs> please, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's and not give any credit, but I've actually helped a few people and people have helped me on the Instagram community, which has been fantastic. And there's a lot of metal artists out there that are, this is what we do in between family and work and just kind of what you're doing here. Yep. You know, you're doing a podcast between your, your, all these other things that you have responsibility for. So it's nice that uh, you would even have me on here to talk about this type of thing. But I always encourage people to find that thing. Uh, and somebody will often comment oh man i wish i had the talent for that everybody's got a talent for something and you don't know it until you try it so just go get something and just start messing with it and if you break it just melt it down or yeah throw it away or Mm -hmm. weld it or do something with it but um i just encourage anybody to get out there and uh 
whether you're on the couch all day or not, you know, like I am during, I got the COVID 25 on right now. Um, yeah. binge watched every show, even went, even Wentworth Australian. <laughs> oh, um, uh, but, uh, yeah, just get out there and whatever, whatever you think you like, go out and put some time into it. You know, we're in an instant world right now where everybody wants to be perfect at everything right this second. Yeah. And, if you can just slow your roll a little bit, you'll get there. You know, you just got to put the time in. Absolutely. So, so uh, yeah, I'm a talker. I told you so. Sorry. <laughs> Dude, you won't be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's all There's good, probably man. no oxygen in here around me. Yeah. No. So yeah, I um I actually really really enjoy your work, and um it's it's one of the things. I mean, I I kind of reached out a little earlier and went, you know, like it's something I want to do. Um, just have a go at, I don't know how good I'm going to be. Um, I'm artistically challenged. You know what I mean? I can't draw a stick figure to save my life. But yeah. I'll give it a go. So, um, you know, I can, I can have fun just sort of spending time just working on trying to get a design. And I think the one that I've started with is probably a bit too intricate for what I'm trying to, you know, for, for my level, I guess. But um, I still haven't gotten out to start on it yet. But... I guess my, my question I'm sort of going to work around to, as far as um, tooling and all that sort of gear, you just use your like drill bits and, and a Dremel. Is that about right? Yeah, you start, well, I've, boy. Um, or is that a loaded I'm, question? <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's one of those things where, yeah, I have many different Dremel tools, like just yes. the, basically the 3000 and 4000 multi-speed. And then my wife for Christmas, and I still haven't really unboxed it and used it because we're building a new shop, but it's got a pedal feed and it's like a four, what they call a Fordham. Um, it's the 9100, I think it is Dremel. And uh, Daryl Olson from Olson Metal Art, he uses one. Um, and Dremel is fantastic to the UK makers. I mean, those guys get hooked up all the time. I don't even know if I, I tag Dremel and stuff, but I don't even know if they ever. Even, seeing it. Yeah. I can't even get my stuff on their page, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, anyways, uh, the Dremel tools are really good. You can actually replace brushes and things um, in them and keep them going. And I use a Dremel and a flex shaft. So you need the shaft that threads on yeah. the end. That's a flex. So you can use it like a pencil. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, that. And then, the bits, you just have to find metal cutting bits. You'll get double cut carbide burrs. You'll get single cut. Um, I don't, I, I have ADD as if you can't tell or attention deficit uh, disorder and I'm not on my meds right now. So I jump around a lot in general. And, uh, uh, but I use the Dremel as my number one go-to. But before that, I just take a drill and I drill out First, I, I use a Sharpie or a pencil, and I draw. I may sand off the piston. I kind of clean it, but on the yep. skirt. And then I usually make uh, like a center line, so I kind of have symmetry. At least I kind of know. But I just eyeball and freehand it from there. I don't I don't use stencils, and I, I don't do the same thing. No two are exactly the same because it's all – I. you'll see a lot of people will clamp the piston in the vise, and then they're working on it from there. And um, I don't, I, I hold it in my hand. And that's kind of how right. I, I got a really bad wrist injury on uh, on one about this size here. Wow, that's a, that is a monster. 
Yeah, so this is a this is a thousand cc Harley Davidson next yep, to yep, yep. I don't know what this came out of yet. But. So we're looking at a piston that's probably about five inches in diameter. Is that about right? Oh yeah. Five or six even. That's that's massive. Yeah, is huge. It's huge. Yeah. The thing I hate about doing I gotta do two of these for uh, a guy, but I don't like that it has this lower ring groove because it kinda yep. um, takes away some of my working area and then I need to incorporate that somehow into the piece. Yeah, so yeah. So that's, is, that, is that a groove in it for another piston ring below the, the gutter? Yeah, right? this yeah. is a very slow speed diesel. So, yep. you know, because diesel, you see the combustion chamber up top. It's in the and, piston itself rather yeah. than the head, yeah. And it's a very uh, low speed, you know, uh, diesel. You can see lots of uh, compression rings and then yep. a lower one. And the skirt is so dang tall. Um, that is huge. Not like a modern piston. And then this would be like a, a Bentley Speed 6 from like the 1920s. Yep. That's a custom, like a one-off piston from RES Racing Pistons. That is a really nice looking piston, man. That's crazy. Oh, it's cool. Yeah, yeah these uh, RES and CP Carrillo, um, they've been so generous and they hooked me up with scrap pistons. Um, that's, that's really cool. Interestingly enough, just real quick, but I've got one. This is a one-off uh this is from CP. Yep. And this is a piston in its design stage. So no wrist pinholes. Yep. No ring grooves, nothing. That this is, is in really the design cool. stage. So there's only one of these. And the guy sent it to me. He's He designs pistons for CP. And now I have the pressure and the honor, but the pressure of not messing this up. <laughs> and there's not awesome. a lot to work with under here. So there's um, not a lot of room inside. Yeah. Yeah, so to go back onto tooling, you know, you got to be careful with also your drill bit coatings. You know, some will load up. So uh, a super big tip I can give you and your listeners there, um, if you're carving aluminum and you're using like a double cut burr or something like that, um, use a bar of soap, like body soap. Yep. And just dip your burrs into the soap and carve. It'll lubricate and it helps, it helps eliminate some of the plugging. And then yep. also use your your ear and the feel of vibration. You'll know when that bit's plugging up, it'll start to chatter and yep. the sound will change, you know. So, um, and uh, PPE, right? So use Absolutely. gloves. Make sure you have a good respirator. Because, respirator. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, I just use a like an N95 type uh, 3M1, uh, and then I put a face shield over it, which yep. uh, ben benchmark abrasives. Uh, just made they have a really awesome one that fits it's made to fit over a respirator now and um the important part there is and then wear rubber i wear rubber gloves or nitrile gloves because aluminum you can get um als from or parkins uh what is it and parkinson's things like that from breathing in aluminum and taking yeah. it in your skin so many people don't know this, but the original Wizard of Oz movie, 1939, the Tin Man uh, was covered in aluminum powder. The very first one was Buddy Ebsen, who was a famous actor, and Barnaby Jones in the 70s and stuff. Well, he got sick. He almost died from aluminum poisoning. So then they hired the other actor. So Buddy Ebsen never played the Tin Man, but he was the original Tin Man but got sick because of aluminum powder covering his body. 
So yeah, he, he down he darn near died because of, because of that. So I always remembered that. Yeah. And um, and I try not to ingest it as it's it's hard when you're in the zone and your gloves are ripped. But um, I just say just be a little careful. Yeah. But tooling wise, you're gonna want some hand files because you need to do a little hand fitting. You'll need some cut off wheels. Um, some good flap discs. Uh, when you get into this big stuff, um, yep. it's really thick and kind of hardened. So you may, um, I don't have, I'm just working with hand tools, you know, so I don't have a machine shop at my disposal. So when I have to change the diameter of the crown and make a crown that fits, man, I'm just like sanding and, and ugh. I, I'm kind of like, a. uh, caveman i guess crow magnum or something out there <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i'm i use different sanding blocks i've made and yeah so it's a lot of hand tools and so when i say they're handmade they're handmade uh i hold it in my hand uh to go back to the vice thing you just can't sometimes you can't get a you know you to maybe the style that i developed i need to move it with my hand as I'm moving the tool yep, and, yep. and then I look and I do, I move some stuff and I've, I've tried to make a couple of videos, but I'm just not very good at it as far as like zooming in on it. Um, I'm just trying to use my iPhone and yeah, kind of yeah. catch it. Cause I figure that, uh, gosh, it's just something you just got to do. You develop your own style and then you look at other people's work and you say, I go way out of my way not to copy somebody. And if somebody, even I have a little list of things that I want to do, and we all kind of do that. You have, if you've ever had that thing where you sit back and you're like, oh man, I thought of this. This is awesome. This is my idea. And then you see that 10 other people in the world have the same idea. Yeah. So I just don't want to be somebody that copies that. So I'll contact the person and say, hey, do you mind if I do this? This is the idea I have. I know that you've done this. Um, it's just out of respect, you know, yeah. um, because I've, I've had people, um, directly rip me and, and it doesn't feel good, you know, no, and then yeah. I've had people copy and they give you credit for it and that, that's cool. You know, that's, yeah. I'm fine with that, but it's like all your, you know, how many pistons it took me to, to come up with these certain little looks that are there. Yeah. There's and, a certain, there's a certain style that, that you've got to yours. And I, I don't know if it's, if it's intended every almost every one reminds me of it, it takes me into back to like uh like nightmare before christmas or something like that. it's very it's a lot of jack skellington i see yeah is that on purpose bit, or is that something you just kind of developed and it just went from it's, there or? the the purpose to be honest was like clint eastwood used to scowl and chomp on a cigar yeah, right I like that, yeah Arr. And that's kind of where i got that i wanted to replicate that look so i made yeah. the mouth kind of look like a Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of these laying around, but this one yeah. I'm kind of holding on to for a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a Harley Davidson piston here, but I want that that winky eye. I came up with yeah. that, and then the the scowl and the 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 chomper on one side, and yeah. then the the nose and the V right here, which is not true to a skeleton. So these are not skulls yeah, per yeah. se. They're they're my interpretation of. To me, I wanted them to look like this guy's kind of a tough guy or he knows something that you don't know, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, like yeah, that type really of thing. So that's just where it came out of is just wanting to be, I don't have the talent to knock off an actual skull. I'll be, I mean, 
<laughs> At the same time, though, you don't you don't need it. So I don't, with, and with I, I just wanted them to emote. I wanted them to. Yeah. I wanted somebody to look at that and smile and say yeah. that's that's cool or that's oh that guy is he looking at me or, or you know like yeah not in a creepy way but just in a like yeah. just playful I guess is yeah. what I wanted them to be. So that's my main style, and I and I hope to do other things. I have. A friend in Brazil, or Alex Metal Art, if you follow him, he does these 3D reliefs, and he he sent me, out of the kindness of his heart, he carved a Frankenstein for me that's gnarly, I, I and it's I've all 3D. One, yeah. Yeah. It's just beautiful, and he sent me that, and I just sent him one. I, I took a diesel, it's the, one of my latest, my latest one, I think, and I put a, a revolver cylinder bearing mounted in there and put yeah, a bunch yeah, of 45 okay, ACPs. And then uh, my other buddy Donker makes grenades, takes pistons, and then makes a grenade around it. And we've collaborated, and he's in the Netherlands, and he has a different style a little bit. And uh, so it's a community out there that if you're respectful, just anything you do, if you're respectful of somebody else's art, it, it just grows, and, and yeah. we, anybody will help you. Absolutely. You know, so like when you go to try yours, you know, you just jump in and say, hey, this is what I got so far. And you'll get nothing but encouragement. Yeah, that's really cool. So um, with, with that group, I guess that sort of cool community there, how much um, back and forth do you do? You know, like um, if, if you're trying to achieve something that you've sort of seen, they've got something really close to, obviously you're, you're going to reach out. Uh, Sam, how, how receptive and, and obviously how, how freely does all that sort of information flow, I guess? Well, I think it's it's between some of us. It's you know, it's like anything. It's schoolyard politics sometimes. Like with yeah. me, I get my wife has to calm me down and keep me in check because it's like I get so angry if somebody's. I can go back through their pictures and I can see where they copied. I mean, literally blew up the picture of mine and then are doing my piston, which is great. But when I see ten of those for sale on Etsy, and it's I know for a fact I designed that it kind of bums me out, but I just got to let it go because it gets in your head and I'm just on to the next thing. I got all these ideas. So it's kind of on the person to kind of let it go and to give props. Hey, I'm inspired by so-and-so you'll see that that's what artistry is. As you give people, I don't need the credit, but it's nice to be acknowledged that, you know, like, uh, there's a kid, um, quick rod shop, you know, he does a lot of these different, and he does sculpture stuff and he has all kinds of influences, but he gives credit to people. And that, I mean, he's, I'm, I'll help that guy out like crazy, you know, but it's somebody who's, who acts like they invented what I know that you, the first five pistons you did are my pistons, you know, and then you're taking full credit for it. Well, I, I can't, I kind of hold that because it's like, to me, it's integrity, <laughs> But, yeah, but yeah. I say, I say, um, and that's on me, you know, that's on me to let that go. Um, because obviously we draw inspiration from everybody and everything in life. So who am I to say that? But it's just at sometimes it just bites me for a second and then I hold yeah. on to it and it's like, let it go. But, uh, the information flows pretty good. The inst I think Instagram out of all the mediums has been the most helpful, the most supportive, um, I'm looking at, I bought a TIG welder uh, recently and I'm building a shop in the backyard to do artwork and stuff. So it's, it's been the, the welding community on Instagram is worldwide is so amazing. Um, 
and that goes along with metal artists and stuff too. It's I don't think anybody holds their cards too close because once you kind of find that you have a little bit of skill or you can do something, then you can kind of let the insecurities go a little bit, you know, and um, where I used to have a lot of animosity towards a couple of people, um, I saw that they, because what they did is there was a couple that picked my brain and just were like on me all the time and I was giving them good info. And then I see the exact copies and no mention of where they learned it. And, um, I was like, oh man, that's not even cool, you know. <laughs> and then, to me, it was just an integrity thing, or just a basic human nature, to you know. Anyways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's it's not hard just to go that little bit extra and just say, look, you know, this guy really helped me out, and and it's it's really especially on um on Instagram like that. That's more. I feel it's that seems more rewarding than just putting something up as your own anyway. You know, if you yeah. put something up and say, look, these people are the guys that helped me out. This guy helped me out so much with information, um, the information on tooling and how to how to use it. You know, like like you were saying, that little tip on um, the birds when when the sound changes and the field changes, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, this guy's a limit out there, and and that's going to be seen so much better in the community with the people like your peers, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. that's, that's what you're doing. You you're kind of just just paying credit to your peers rather than sort of just putting yourself out there and going, oh, this is what I do. How cool am I? Yeah. And I tag my other friends that do, you know, I, I make no bones about it. I'm not the first person to ever carve a piston and I'm not the last one to ever do it. And I just have a recognizable style that I developed. That's fine. That's cool. Um, and, and I'm flattered when somebody wants to do one like it, you know, um, there's just, there's just that gray area, you know, and this happens with all art forms and even some hot rod cars and things like that. You know, somebody will build a car and this person's taking credit for it. And they're all, I know so-and-so built the engine in that car. And you're saying you built it, you know, that yeah. type of, you know, it just happens. Um, maybe it's too complicated to get into uh, for some, but, but I think you'll find if you dive into this type of world, it's just fun. It's, therapy it's relaxing it's frustrating it's it's your good days and your bad days are all out there too but you just crank some music and you just start go you get into a zone and some days i'll go out there and this is with all a bunch of my metal art buddies too like uh, made in milwaukee and uh, skull soup is another friend of mine he carves uh pool balls uh you know pool balls and different things he carves those into some amazing skulls and we all go through these slumps you know because life is just getting on you your day job or whatever it is and sometimes i'll sit out there at my bench and i'll be like i'll sit there for hours doing nothing and i i think i'm doing something but i'm not because i'm just not i can't get going yeah and then your DMs start blowing up you know when you do something cool and everybody wants that one and it's like well their hand you know i don't not everyone is like that and sometimes i'll charge whatever i charge is you know i say i'll charge this and i never take money up front well you never know really for sure what you're gonna get with me because sometimes i'll go crazy and i'll do like a a really high-end one but you're still paying this because that's what i quoted you it's just because i felt like doing this or your story you send me a piston 
out of your dad's old car or your grandpa's old car. These ones mean the most to me. Um, in fact, the one that made the cover of Engine Builder magazine in August 2019, that is from um, Hot Rodder 814 on Instagram. And that's out of his car, a 312 Y block uh, Ford. Well, it had all this awesome detonation damage and stuff on top. And I was so excited to do something with it. And it came out cool. And uh, it ended up on the cover of a magazine. Who figured that? Yeah. And uh, but it had a story behind it, you know. So uh, and I like giving them names, you know, like uh, one Subaru I did. Uh, it was a two five EJ motor, I think. Yeah. And um, it was detonated severely, like most people that overboost and uh, let's <laughs> cheap gas yeah. overboost. Yeah, I, I know uh, all about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they'll. Um, uh, this thing was detonated like crazy because you know it broke the second it broke the ring land and the edge and you can see where it was just pepper in the top at first you know off toward the side uh, yeah. where they where detonation is evident and i called him detonation donnie was his name and then you know i do i just give him weird names and sometimes i'll do a if i have the time or the ink in my printer i'll do a certificate of authenticity and i'll write a story you know about how that's, this piston traveled so cool. through, through you know, I make a funny story with it and then I, I send it, you know, and I'll hand sign it. And I, I need to do that for everyone really, but, um, I do initial them and, 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 uh, number each one, Yeah. but yeah, it's just, I encourage you just to try it, man. If you've got some pistons there, just. Well, sure. Uh, Actually, um, Andrew Grimmer sent me a few. I, um, I'll put oh, the some call. LS I'll put, pistons. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll put the call out. I think they might actually be like 253, like our, our small block Holden motors, I think. Just yeah, that's the, what we call an LS set. 326. Yeah, that's no, what's no, in my pickup. No, it's a, 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 two, a two, 253, so it's even, it's even smaller. It, it was the baby V8 we got. In, oh, um, yeah, the 4.8 you know, liter. Kingswoods, Kingswoods and things like that. It yeah. Was, um, yeah, but he said, I, I think that's what they are. Don't quote me because I, I just don't know. I don't know. I did a quick search on them. I'm like, I wonder what they could be because obviously he does a lot of LS stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just put the call out on, on Instagram and said, Oh, look, looking for pistons. And he's like, How many do you need? Well, I don't want to kind of take away from what, you, what you're doing as well. You know, I'm sure there's some closer to me. Like he, he just, off, off, you know, straight off his own back, sent them out to me. And uh, he sent yeah. me five of them. Um, so absolutely, yeah, absolute champion, big shout out to him. And one day, one day we're going to get him on. I know you, yeah. you, you've given him a bit of, a bit of stick and I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll sort of add him every now and then. So one day we'll yeah. get together. He he's a on. great, he's a great guy and he's yeah. building a brand and he's, he's got, well, now a toddler, I guess, you know, yeah. cause he had what baby a yeah. year and a half ago or so. But th that's the other cool thing is I've get to meet people from all over the world, even though I haven't met you face to face or, or really yeah. talked or, but just that, man, it's like a big, they call it the Instagram family. And that's true. I mean, it, people that are immersed in these little, either a cottage industry or whether you're, you know, a tradesman or a welder or a painter, or I just found that the, the art portion the not the stuff where you're just on there going, you know, for, for likes <laughs> or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, uh, that type of thing. But the people that are actually genuine and you could care less about how many followers you get and you're yeah. just out, you're just kind of community and you're learning, you know, you're giving as much as you're taking. And um, like I send out, you know, I'm just a teacher and I'm sending stuff out on my own dime. My wife and I, you know, we don't make a lot of money and 
I like to get stickers made. I got a couple of cool logos and I send them out and I do sticker swaps or maybe I'll send somebody's doing a giveaway and I'll send out some stuff that I can afford to send out, but at least you're contributing and trying to help grow yeah. their account and get them. The, I guess the thing with the followers does is it kind of is almost a little bit of affirmation as long as they're, you're not buying followers, but if it's just an, a, an organic thing yeah. is it's a little bit of affirmation that kind of the stuff you're doing is actually going in the right direction maybe. And then uh, once you get, to know a few people, they'll tell you if something, they don't like something or something sucks, you know, or yeah. they, it's not just a like, and oh yeah, that's the most best thing ever. You can actually give your input and, and receive input and not get, for lack of a better phrase, but heard about it, yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just say, um, just jump in there, man. And, and, yeah. uh, just give it a whirl, whatever. And, and you might try the piston thing, right? And if you're a welder, maybe, oh, well, now I can do a sculpture or this or that. And I've actually sent pistons. I said, I'll say somebody wants to trade. I like to trade artwork. So I'll say, hey, I'll send you mine if you send me yours, that type of thing. And, And I don't care if I would consider mine better or worse. Hopefully the person is just, it's like, I didn't, or if my artwork, let's say, let's say you charge more for your artwork than I do for mine, but it's still, they take a lot of time. It's just, I'm, I'm asking you for an art trade. So either you want to art trade me or not, whether, and I don't care if it's, if I consider mine superior or lesser, um, you either want to, or you're not, it's because uh, I admire what you do and I don't know what you charge, you know? So, um, and you don't know what I charge really. So, um, but I think it's just, to me when i when i get my shop built you're gonna see i'll put some pictures up but i have artwork from many different people that i've traded and uh, i'm just happy with every piece even if i feel at the time maybe oh well mine might have been it's not a monetary thing you know yeah um it, it's about the respect and about the enjoyment and that so absolutely um i just encourage you to get out there and drill break lots of drill bits uh remember let Oh, the other, the big thing I can tell you, let the tool do the work. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a tradesman <laughs> as well. So I, yeah. Drill, so drill what do you do for your regular I'm, um, living? I'm an electrician. Um, nice. So I know over in the States, I, I, they're a little more segregated, I believe. Um, in Australia, we're sort of a, a lot broader with our trades. Um, they seem a bit more spe- specific, I guess I, I should say in the States. Um, so an electrical trade here in Australia, we do everything that, um, that has anything to do with electrical. So we'll, we'll be, um, building all the, all the systems that hold up, you know, cable trays and things like that, as well as pulling the cables on them, as well as fitting those cables off and all that sort of gear. So we, we see a job through from start to finish. So we've seen a lot of the fabrication side of stuff and all that sort of gear. And now I'm in, I now do a lot less actually, which is it's good for me. I, I do, do, do less work and, and make more money, but um, at the moment I'm in the high voltage industry. So for me, it's just I'm operating high voltages more than anything. So I don't, I don't do so much of that hands-on work now. So I'm looking for something to really get, get my hands into, I guess. But yeah. I've always, I've always enjoyed working with my hands, creating something, seeing something through from start to finish, and having something there to show for it at the end. It's um, yeah, that's, and, that's always and... been a big thing. 
that's kind of the trades in general too. It's like no matter what, whether you're, I don't know, a, a job worth doing is worth doing well, right? So it yeah. doesn't. I don't care really what you're doing in the trades, but the trades usually tradespeople will never starve. They'll never be without work. You could probably for the most part, if your electrical, your main job fell through, you could probably find there's somebody around there needs something fixed on their house or needs something, a shop wired up or, you know, just like I had to hire an electrician to wire my new shop, you know? Yeah. And, uh, he pretty much did, they did it, but he had an apprentice with him too and helping pull the cable, you know, top of the house, really hot up there. Um, you know, they drop, they drop out the bird block of the wall and then down. I had, I dug the ditch myself. (laughs) It has to be, our code is 18 inches down underground and then it goes to the building and up the wall. But, uh, that's, you'll, I, I bet you find since you're in the trades, do you have, uh, do you think of yourself as a critical thinker, like a good problem solver? Oh, I think, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can look at something with a different set of goggles than the average person. Well, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I find yeah. that a lot. I think that's what we teach in the automotive trade, and I think it's true with all trades. Um, here I am selling trades. Rock, rock the trades, <laughs> right? Uh, actually, you need to follow Rock, rock the trades or hashtag Rock the trades because yeah, yeah. they're making a comeback. You know, for years it was a dirty word. Oh, you work with your hands. You must not be very intelligent. Yeah, that's right. yeah, you know. Yeah. And, uh, the fact that I tell my students, it's like, you know what, I'm, yeah, sure. I work on cars and I haven't been considered a brain, you know, maybe I'm a brain trust or whatever, <laughs> but I can tell you what, that I've never paid anybody to fix a car for me and I can figure out things on my house. And even though I'm not a home electrical person, I figured out that the capacitor was blown on my HVAC unit because the fan is this big. Well, how are you going to get that thing going? Right. You need that that jolt from that capacitor. So I got in there the hottest part of the summer AC guy is booked out for weeks. So I would open the cover and I would push start the fan. Then I would close the cover switch and get the (laughs) fan going because that's the capacitor's job is to jump in. So once it got going, then I just set the thermostat and I let it, I let it go. But it's because of that critical thinking of working in the trades about running across problems that, and I mean, doctors are amazing. We need doctors, doctors, not say anything about that. But basically, you have two models since the beginning of time where I had to work on a Chevy Cruze that had nine different engine configurations in one, one make of car, one model of car, nine different engines available. Um, so we're not done. We have to we're constantly learning and stuff, but I mean, all the, you know, I I was used to joke around and I'm going to get some hate mail now, but, um, the difference between me and a doctor is that, uh, I have to fix my comebacks. I don't bury them. (laughs) So I don't don't bury my mistakes. Uh, no, uh, I I should take that back. But, But that's, um, but then again, I can't reach my hand up the tailpipe and fix the engine either. So, uh, you know, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and it does take a lot of, a lot of schooling and a lot, the, the stakes are a lot higher. I want to say exactly, that, but yeah. I, yeah. I'm just saying that trades people just don't get enough credit for keeping the world running. We put too much emphasis on actors and, uh, yeah. 
and actually likes on social media and too much emphasis on sports and things that don't really keep the world running. How do you think that professional athlete gets to the stadium and gets back and forth home, you know, airline mechanics and, you know, exactly. uh, service people, people serving other people, you know, it's a, these are all important cogs in the wheel and to treat anybody lesser because they do a job that's maybe not, you know, a little bit dirty, due to your natural born. Yeah. yeah, it's just, you know, even if you're being served a hamburger by somebody in a fast food restaurant, that doesn't, we all have a story and we all have, that doesn't mean that they're lesser person than you yeah. because of that. So um, that saw, kind of stuff really saw, bothers when, me. When, um, my, my wife and I went to the States for our honeymoon and I'd, I saw, I'd never ever seen anyone do this before in my life. And it was actually talked down to someone who worked at Macca's purely because they worked at Macca's. You know, and the, the and it was yeah. it was just blatant. Oh, how, how where do you get off like this person? Who are you? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't be eating if it wasn't for this person. Let's let's yeah. start there. But, and it's you know, it's like it's, it's, you got to people have to start somewhere, and that's that is yeah, especially here in Australia that is like one of your started jobs you know what i mean out of school cool that's that's yeah what you do part, part, part it should be encouraged or, yeah so yeah that was the first time i really saw that saw that that sort of thing yeah it that's happens great. over here way too much it's it's just it's it's a pandemic all in its own really it's uh by the way, we're, we just were able to take our masks off here, so hopefully I'm yes. not getting you sick. No, right. no. <laughs> <laughs> stay back. We, um, we, we're just going into we're just going into a, another. I mean, it's, as far as Sydney goes, we haven't been that bad. We haven't had it that bad until now. We've just gone into like a, a pretty severe lockdown. So, um, oh gosh, now talking about uh, people who aren't considered essential services or even like frontline workers uh, to not be going to work. So, oh man, yeah, it's just driving everything, prices, everything, and then the people. But there's help over here, there's help wanted signs everywhere, but there's not people filling them up yet. And we're, I think, we're considered right around 70% vaccinated, but now we have another variant of COVID, I guess, the Delta variant that's coming through. And um, I'm a little worried they're going to make, as far as being an automotive instructor, there's four of us in our program and we had to do it all online, just like what we're doing here over zoom and half, I would say three quarters of the students wouldn't even turn their camera on. And how do you teach? We all get into this because we're, we like to work with our hands, you know, and our brain what's happening. Yeah. So it's, unless we can get our hands on it, it's hard. It's hard for our type of personality or our type of learning, I guess you'd say to, to put the visual with the the component not being in your, I usually bring in tubs of components. I pass it around. We talk about it, and then I use the whiteboard a lot, and I draw pictures and you know real bad ones, but I draw pictures. <laughs> and you know when you're talking about a rarefaction and exhaust reversion and things like that, and then turbo a stacking of the exhaust on the turbo, you know, and talk about you know, larger turbocharger, what's that going to do for you? Does it take longer to spool up? And, you know, cause turbocharging is, uh, when I first got there, it's like, I was going to beat every student to death. If I heard the word turbo one more time, <laughs> you, know, because, you know, there's also superchargers out there. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's so easy to hang a hairdryer on something and get horsepower and you're making it, you know, 130% volumetric efficient 
you know, most of the time. And that's awesome. It's free horsepower. You're just using it, but, um, use it responsibly. Cause I bring up the first thing I do is I say, okay, that's cool that somebody figured out the science for you and figured out a tune that you can just plug your car in and you can bolt this kit on there. And I said, uh, I usually tell them, I said, and this is just being just a jerk, but I say, you know, you can show me almost every one of your cars. I'm going to find a problem with it. Just we'll open the hood and I'll show you a problem. Like that cold air intake that's taken in extra hot air that you don't have ducted or shielded or you're boosting, you're way over boosted for a stock engine. You're going to be, I said, so how many of you, either yourself or your friends have a car that was super fast after they put a turbo on it and they, they crank or they crank the boost on it and how long did it live? <laughs> you know, so you got to know what's inside the engine and how to make it live. So you don't push the crankshaft out on the ground, you know, and you know, being fast is cool, but being fast and having the engine live a long time, that's what's yep. really cool. Yeah. So I think that's kind of our job. I don't, I tell them, I said, I don't know anything about race engines. I, I don't care. If you don't know how it works in its stock form or its basic operation, how can you expect? My job is to teach you a basic understanding of how systems work and the importance of how everything relies on everything else, like ventilating the crankcase. The simplest system in the world positive crankcase ventilation and most of my students have it all wrong on their car so they're blowing valve cover gaskets they're boosting the crankcase you hang a hairdryer on there you got to make sure that you're not boosting the crankcase got to have a check valve or a catch can or something a, a different routing um so they got all these oil leaks well my car's fast but it's puking oil and you know my VTEC doesn't work because i don't know how to check my oil and put oil in the car because uh, it's aerating but if we give you the basic core set of just a basic understanding of systems, you can go out and conquer the world with that because now you can get involved in a race team or something like that and start to understand, you know, kind of how, how it all relates. And, and if you can make a car live and go fast, you really, you really got something there. That's, but, yeah, that's, um, that's what I'm currently dealing with. <laughs> I am. Um... My, my first effort, or yeah, I guess my first effort at it was um, I had a Subaru Vortex. I don't know if you guys saw those at all. Um, uh, I don't think so. Pretty much a doorstop on wheels. Um, <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't a pretty car, but yeah, for some reason, I don't know, I saw this one and, and I had to have it, so I bought it. Uh, it had already been sort of, you know, a few little modifications here and there, so I thought, oh, you know, it's got the intercooler and all that sort of gear. I'll put some boost through it. We'll take it to the, um, we used to have Wednesday night drags. I'll take it down there. I got one run in. I, I put 22 pounds of boost through it. One run in and detonated. Catastrophic detonation of piston. <laughs> uh, well, that was good. <laughs> so it would, if it was normally boosted, it would have been about 13 pounds or so, right? I like... think they they sat somewhere around, probably around there, maybe 10 to 12 or something like that. Um, yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> So you went, and and it didn't go any better than it would have because obviously now you're dealing with lag. You've got to wait until you're hitting that sort of that that figure on a small turbo as well. You know, standard turbo. Yeah. So it's it takes it and takes then it, longer. But yeah, 
Yeah, and that depends on your exhaust system too with a boxer engine, you know, because yeah. you either get that cool boxer rumble because you have unequal length exhaust or you have tuned exhaust and all the pulses are going like just like they're supposed to, you know, yeah. length. But on the, the really cool boxer rumble, you know, that's unequal length exhaust, yeah. you know, so you're getting different pulses. But what's good about that is you spool your turbo quicker usually – it's usually the pulses are off on one bank and it's usually pushing the turbo, yeah. you know, so the, the, um, uh, turbine. Yeah. And on that's, there. That's, so that's normally because of the, like, the, like, do they call it the wide pipe? The pipe that goes from one side across to the other to actually. Yeah. Balance too. Yeah. 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 So if all four cylinders had equal length pipes and still a balance tube, things would you, you'd take advantage of, like if it was naturally aspirated without a hair, without a turbocharger on it, it would help scavenge. It creates like natural turbocharging, if you will, because it's with all the pulses going in the right and that heat energy is that, and even the length of the exhaust, you know, so you'll look at hot rod cars on a drag strip back in the day, they used to take a temperature crayon and they would mark the header. They'd go make a pass and wherever it melted or whatever, then they cut it right there because the heat energy ended at a certain spot, you know? So that's what you are trying to do is keep those exhaust pulses going. And just like drafting on a circle track car, you know, a car, they're both kind of going like this, but if you tuck in behind this car, now all of a sudden you, you let out of the throttle and you're being pulled around the track. Well, that's the idea behind tuned exhaust really in my mind is that you're actually evacuating as that exhaust valves open up the intakes opening because we have overlap right so the exhaust yep. is still open we're actually scavenging and we're helping to soup to naturally supercharge that engine yep. so with if you look at the ocean that's rarefaction if you look at the waves coming in and out uh engineers actually with the stock intake manifolding and stuff they can figure out maybe at a certain rpm range how how long it takes for that air, that atmospheric pressure to enter the engine, hit the intake valve, bounce back and go to the, in, through the runner, bounce backwards and go to the big open intake plenum. And then it hits that pressure change and goes back. And they, they're actually trying to time it where when the valve intake valve opens that, that when it bounces back and turns back, it speed it up yep. and that it tries to fill the cylinder. And it's just the science that, uh, I didn't give two shits about, oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't even I care it. about as yeah. a technician. I did not, and nor do I have to explain this to students, but when you become a, an instructor, now your brain, you have like a renewed passion and you, you got to know somebody's going to ask me this quite every time I'm on pins and needles. Oh, somebody's going to ask me something I don't know, yeah. you know, cause how can you know everything about everything? You know, if exactly, somebody tells yeah. you that they're full of crap. 100%. Nobody knows everything about everything. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but yeah, once you get your, your Scooby-Doo, we call them Scooby-Doo's, uh, yeah. Subaru. Um, the other thing too, is like basics of changing oil. You know, a lot of our kids, Subarus are real hot over here right now. And, um, but maintenance isn't. <laughs> so a boxer engine you got to think what's the oil control rings job you know it's to um you have your compression rings which are really light and the pistons you know now like on an ej are really short lightweight rings yep. and 
a lot of piston technology now even has the top of the crown is drilled straight down and then there's a port coming out behind the top compression ring so it helps push against that top compression ring to help it seal well the oil rings are just real thin and uh, Subaru's got a very narrow I don't know probably uh, maybe five millimeters of you know oil ring you know there to uh, return oil you know to the crankcase well that's laying sideways so it doesn't have gravity on its side it's literally on its side. So where does all the crap end up? And if you don't change your oil, it cokes up and it can't get the oil back there. So then it starts sticking the rings. Next thing you know, uh, you know, you're in for uh, rings and stuff. So maintenance is everything. And low speed pre-ignition is a problem too. So uh, good times. (laughs) Good times. Let's, um, we've, we've taken a fair tangent. Let's, um, yeah, that's <laughs> all good. That's all good. Let's go back to um, you're talking about um, pistons with a story. So you've got you know, sense, yeah. you know things that are sentimental to people. Do you what kind of pressure do you feel when you someone someone sends you something like that? And I, I want you to make something cool out of it. Immense pressure. Um, yeah. I'm I'm honored uh, to beyond belief. I've done. Uh, probably about only probably about 50 or 60 of them like that where they've got a real sentimental story or like i said it's like this one-off cp carrillo there's only one of them and this was in the middle of the design stage but the guy designed this so and because it's so thick and um boy i'm freaked out about it yeah but and then also you got that thing where you got to be happy with what you do and you're never happy with what you do, but there's a lot of pressure. What if that thing breaks? What if I'm another thing? Like if you're going to do my cigar deal there or with brass, right? A rifle round has a lot thicker casing. It, it doesn't give, it's not malleable like a pistol cartridge. Yep. So if you get your mouth all dang, you, you go and I hand fit those. So if you tap it in like a press fit and you hear crack, you could break oh. that carving, you know? So, so, so the, the, the casings you use, you actually make them, I guess, like a like almost an interference fit. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I put them in there like a, yeah. a little bit of a press fit. And then yeah. I usually epoxy the backside of it for curious minds, you know, just to kind of yeah. help it stay in there. People always, when they grab your stuff, they start pushing and pulling on yeah. things. So, um, I might use some like some two-part epoxy or something like that back there uh, just to kind of hold it in. But I try to hand fit them and with my Dremel and my sanding wheels and all that. And it, it just takes a long time. I don't go right for the, the right drill bit maybe. But um, yeah. yeah, but there's a, there's a lot of pressure. But when you pull that story off and now that to me that piston, it, it has a story to tell because somebody – may not take notice of that piston, right? Let's say it's in your garage, one out of your own engine, that one that you blew up. You got that piston, and it's just sitting there in the garage, and somebody not really paying attention, but if it's a into a character or something like that, and it, ooh, shiny, it catches your eye, now you've got a conversation, right? Yeah. And let's say you passed away, unfortunately, or something, uh, your father or somebody passed, but maybe that stays in your family forever. And that story lives on and on when that piston was just going in a scrap pile to be melted and it was gone forever. 
So to me, it's a lot bigger than just a little piece of art uh, or it's big. That's somebody's family history right there. Or even if I do a piston that is, hey, my dad had this this motorcycle, a Triumph 650, and I happen to have some Triumph 650 pistons. It's still the story and the meaning to that family or to that person receiving the gift. A lot of them I do, it might be a birthday or a Christmas gift for somebody. And that is sometimes I might jump on that one over another one because the story is so important to me. Um, so, yeah, but it's a lot of pressure. You're, you're trying to pull something off and you don't know the taste of somebody. And I, th- I would say for any anybody who's going to dive into the artwork world or whatever, do what makes you happy and make sure that your your customer or the person coming to you if they if if you're asking an artist or or somebody to do something let them do their thing try not to control it because your idea will not come across in most cases so the best ones that come out are when they just say send me a piston say do your thing yeah and I don't know what I'm going to do till I get it in my hands because I don't know how much room I got to work with on the skirt. I don't know what's underneath it. I don't know how the natural damage. I try to keep natural damage in there because that's the story. That's what happened to the engine. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I get I that a lot. That answers I, um, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I get that a lot. I'm either the easiest person to work with or the hardest. And I'm not sure which. It all comes down to perspective because if I go to somebody, um, I want you to say someone to make a logo for the podcast. I want you to make a logo for the podcast. What do you want? Whatever you think looks good. That's my answer. You know what I mean? Like, because whatever I come up with is going to be terrible. I'm not artistic. I can't draw. You know, like I might be able to, I might be a critical thinker, but I can't use my, you know, I can't make shapes and things with my hands. Like I don't know. Yeah. Put a pencil in my hand and it doesn't work. Um, So, you know, like, this is the general idea I'm after. This is kind of what I would like in there. Apart from that, have at it, you know, do your thing. So that either yeah. makes me the easiest person to work with or the hardest because I might not be able to give enough direction or, or you know, um, or I've given I you would, just enough to, to go and work and do your own thing. Yeah. I would that's consider it. you 100% normal because yeah. that's that's me in a nutshell the same way and a lot of people i know it's just like hey just do your thing and and usually what we'll do is we'll say hey i'll give you a, a, a preview picture or i get it done and some i've had people where i get it done and they don't like it well yeah. i'll just sell it to somebody else not a big it's it's no yeah. water the only bummer is is that you're gonna have to wait longer because now you know you gotta do it again yeah. um because i do what i feel it, it's it, yeah. the art is always going to come out better if you let somebody do what they're feeling or they're excited about doing yeah. and it, it i tell them i said that's why i don't ever take any money up front it's like if you don't like it it's no you're not obligated if your life circumstances change you know yeah. let's say you could afford to buy it now and it comes time oh hey i got it done for you well no problem i just sell it to somebody else it's not they they always i always get rid of them yeah so I don't ever want that pressure on somebody to feel like, oh man, I owe this or, or that. But um, there is that thing where if somebody just lets you do something, more than likely they usually like it. But the first one was on a really good friend of mine. I actually did my first one-eyed uh, pirate-looking piston. That's my logo, kind of eye cross, and 
uh, it was a birthday present for him and he didn't know about it. His mom hated it. Oh, really? And I, yeah, I ended up selling it on Craigslist. I had to make him another one before his birthday, but that's when I kind of first got going. But it was the first time I wanted to try something different. I thought it'd be cool, and she did not like it. His dad liked it, but um, his mom didn't like it. So I ended up just selling it to somebody else. But that was the very first time I got told that, uh, and I prefer that. I want I want somebody to be happy with what they're yeah, getting. So. Yeah. Um, most people fortunately tell me they're way better in person than, than the pictures. Cause the pictures show all these, you know, little imperfections, which I'll leave. If I drag, that's the other thing too. Don't try to take all your mistakes out of there. You're right. It's mistakes are what make it real, you yeah. know? So you're doing these things by hand. Sometimes your Dremel bit gets away. It catches and it goes zing across the front and then you got all these dots or something. Well, next thing you know, maybe I put a, a crack or a scar there like I know what's there. Maybe you don't know it's there, yeah. but um, I just work it into the piece if I mess up real bad. So if I broke a piston or something, I'd, I would just fix it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I give you the option before you pay me or anything. I, I send lots of pictures. You want this or you don't. It's it's fine and no attitude, no hard feelings. You know, it might put you back a few weeks or whatever if you wanted something different, but then then you articulate what you want. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no. anyway, you That's, just gotta um, get out. You just gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. One of the things that I, when when I approach somebody like if again, yeah, just to take the logo for example, if I'm approaching you to do something for me, it's because I like what you do. So <laughs> and, uh, I like I like the style of things you do. I've had a good look. Trust me, I've had a good look at all the things you do. Um, I like what you do. And I want you to do something for me. So if, if I give very little sort of, I guess if, if I give complete artistic license, it's it's for good reason. It's not because I want to be difficult. I don't know what I want. I just, I know what I want. I want something that you've done for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's exactly the right way to approach anybody so, or any anything. I feel, I feel, yeah, a lot of times I have to explain myself when it comes to that. Because I guess, yeah, a lot of people, some people like a lot of direction. Like, okay, what do you want here and what do you want to do with this? Like, I just want, it, want what it is that you do. So, and, and, and touching on what, what you were saying, you know, like trying to be too controlling over what someone's doing, it, it takes away the reason you've even approached them to do something for you to start with. Yeah, or coming back and, you know, hey, you get it all, you're all done. Hey, can you make an ashtray? Hey, can you carve this in there? Can you do this? Can you do this? Now you're just ruining my, my sometimes. I mean, I don't want to sound ungrateful or anything, yeah. but yeah. it's like, shut up. No, uh, no, it's like, <laughs> it's like, you're going to like it. I yeah. promise you, you'll like it. But if we go adding too much stuff, cause now I, I'll tell, I'll say no, if I don't like the idea, because I just don't, it's a representation of, of my yeah. love and my blood and my, the scars and the, yeah. the time away from family and all that, you know, so I just, if you don't like it, you don't have to buy it, but yeah. this is what I feel is the best thing for this shape of piston because they have different shapes right different domes That's different right, sizes yeah. i can't fit the same face and everything and i have a style and everybody says oh maybe you do the same look well that's the look i developed and that's kind of my signature but i can do some other things i go and some work and some don't but you have to try new stuff and uh, i do think though you're you're taking the right approach you let you give somebody full artistic license because you like what they're doing 
And but naturally, on the other hand, we want to know a little bit about what you want because yeah. I don't want to run into that. I'm trying to get you off of my list type of thing. You know, I got yeah at any time any time of the day. You know, twenty thirty DMs. I want I want one of your pieces. I want one of your pieces. How do I get on your list? How do I get on your list? So that's a lot of that's the pressure in itself. So then it becomes not fun. It becomes a job. And yes. you want to you want to be a people pleaser and take care of people, but you can't please everyone. So, I think if you just relax and do what you do, most people are going to be pretty satisfied. Yeah. You so know, how or long? Just don't. Oh, go ahead. You're right. How long does it take you? Or I mean, obviously, you know, each one's different. But how long would you say like a piece takes you? Would it be? Could you like yeah, sort of blanket it with? I'm purely guessing. Please correct me. Um, like a week two weeks you know what i mean like did you blank um, it with that? i've done some i can knock some out at the current level at which i do them um and i can now keep in mind this is like some sleepless nights having attention deficit um uh, because you also have to engineer things too like how am i gonna i want to do this but how do i make that happen on this so i'm going to show you something i'm working on yep one of my engineering things here so it could take i could i used to knock them out in an hour and a half two hours but right. they look like they were took an hour and a half two hours <laughs> so i had uh uh will smiley or grandpa coonfinger welding on instagram um he asked me hey have you ever done a welding hood piston you know like with a welding hood. And I said, yep. no. And it's been done before I had seen, and I contacted somebody. Oh man, I didn't know you did. I'm actually working on one of those. And this, I just made the hood. Um, it's called a right. sugar scoop hood, but yep. I just fit the lens and it's going to go on this Harley. Yeah. So you can kind of see where I drew the line and it's going to be well, like that. Thing. And I'm going to make it open up. It's yep. going to pivot, so you'll see his face in the cigar underneath, but then be a that, welder. That is so and cool. so I'm going to make a copper headband, that, and this is going to pivot copper or brass. I don't know which medium yep. I'll use, but that's one of the ideas. So this thing has been in the works forever, and I have to get other ones off my list, and I work on this in between those, the customer ones, and then I might do a raffle or something on this. Um but it could take depends on how hard. Um, sorry, my uh, my beats beats by Dre. Uh, <laughs> the, the the pads ate up, so I have to wear them. Uh, yeah. I took them out of the box. And, oh, the pads are rotten. Well, that's going to stick red stuff inside my ears. Um, but um, I will tell you that depending on the hardness of the material. So if I have a really high end CP piston yeah. here, I, I'm doing this one for Dark Lord welding art trade he did a logo for me yep. so i'm sinking his oct i'm sinking an octopus in the top awesome. uh, and then it's going to be this will be a high pot these things are billet they're super tough to carve okay, and then yeah. you have this 1960s austin mini um piston which is like butter and i did a, a really cool i was afraid to believe me and because I'm not an engraver, you know, I've, I'm kind of yep. a butcher. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, in my, some people have this finesse and they have all the right tool and the patience and stuff. And I like to get her done. Um, but I might spend on average 
the one I did, I did a, a UK or a Union Jack flag on there and it came out killer, but I had to engineer how am I going to make that look like a flag two dimension or whatever, three dimension. How do you cut those triangles apart and the cross and how, which part gets relieved and which part gets left behind. So it looks right. But so what I'm trying to say is before I even start it, I might have a couple of hours of thought process and maybe looking around for something to fit the wrist pin hole or something like that in the idea. So there, the physical carving of it, I clean them, carve, polish it, all that. So the physical act of making it without the thought process or any engineering involved for something could take as little as five hours, could take as much as 30 hours, you know. So that's probably going to be because of how hard that diesel is and the small tooling that I have to work with and not having a lathe or a, a mill, um, that's probably going to take me 30 hours to do one of those. And I have a pair of them I have to do. Um, so I'm not excited about the, the, that lower ring in the middle of my work area, but yeah. I'll do something, you know, um, I've, my interpretation of uh, Frankenstein's monster sometimes works on things like this. Yep. Um, or Jack Skellington. I don't want to make it too simple. You know, like Jack Skellington is really cool. And um, I want to do, I've done a couple of those, and they're more of the simpler ones, actually. Um, it takes a long time to cut his little teeth there Anything, uh, yeah. finely. And then, but you're not really shaping the teeth as much. And then his eyes to get the right shape and all that. But they all take time. Um, but I would say average five to 15 hours is average for most, you know, so. Um, but piston material is very, very finicky, like a stock Subaru piston, like no problem. You know, that you're carving it with your Dremel. It's like butter. It's just kind of everything's working, rolling. And then some are just, you know, harder than Chinese algebra uh, for people, the bad math joke. Because um, <laughs> I can't read Chinese. Uh, but anyways, some... These things are really hard, but yeah. man, they polish up like chrome, just beautiful. And uh, it just takes a long time, though, to cut the material out by hand. So, um, and it depends on, I'd say that, yeah. So, probably on average, five to 15 hours, you know, per. So, it doesn't equate to a real good living wage if I was to do this for a living. No, no There's way. no benefits. <laughs> so. Um, I'd say your first one, though, you should spend a good couple hours on it. You know, it's yeah. going to just uh, maybe just knock it out, draw on it with a pencil or a pen, just kind of roughly put a an idea about where you need eyes, where you need a yeah. nose, and where you need a mouth, and then just start yeah. removing material. So what I'll do is I'll actually show you everything. I don't have it within arm's reach, but I don't, I don't feel like if I'm starting to sort of we're starting to sort of show each other our ideas and whatnot. I don't think that's going to make a good podcast. So we'll do that. Oh, after. Sure. We'll do you that. Can after. DM me a picture of what you got and I can yeah. give you some hints and, um, there. I think I've just gone for initially for the first thing. I think I've gone a bit too detailed. So I'll, I'll get your opinion on that a bit later. The, yes. Don't bite off more than you can chew at the beginning yeah. because you'll discourage yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we all do that. You know, it's like, uh, 
I, I want to try one of those 3D reliefs like my friend Alex does there, and I'm just afraid to do it. It's like I've got about a thousand pistons in my garage, or maybe yeah. at least seven hundred. One I do have in reach ruin is it. Um, something I've drawn up, and obviously I can I can show you that that is it's actually a body oh, yeah. helmet. Yep. So we are going to now now we now we. That's completely doable. Audio podcast, but you've got that bit of a relief there on the on the cheek of the helmet. So yeah. that's going to be something that I'm going to... Well, you have it. to have a yeah. thick enough material. So if you follow uh, Skull Spidge or Sean Pigeon, yeah. on, uh, he's over in England. He takes Lambretta pistons and stuff, and he does those skull reliefs, and his are paper thin. I don't know how he does it. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. But he relieves them like that. But you got to grind away slowly that material and get that depth. But then you're on that one you're doing, you're going to need that sharp corner that edge so you'd want to pick it a disc you know that's going to give you that when you drive it in there or naturally yeah or you take your dremel bit you know like a like a 107 bit or something and you you just carve that line in there and now that's your kind of your depth in your line and then you work yourself away from it yeah you know with like some two inch uh sanding discs or something like that or on a 90 degree die grinder you know, you could probably because those are round and they got a good edge, so you could probably take a like a 3M, um, you know, a red disc or something. Yeah. I forget the a coarse one, and you and you could work yourself finer, but you can get that that rounded shape. You got a lot of control with a 90 degree die grinder, uh, air yeah. die grinder. Um, so it's doable. That's 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 a really good idea one too, by the way. So. Um, Star Wars is everything, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to work the, the top yet because obviously the, the helmet is, is quite rounded at the top, but I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out, even if it's just that for start. I mean, well, it's you not, don't that always, might be my second one, you know what I mean? So Yeah, you don't always have it. to get it for it to read right. You don't always have to get the – yes, yeah. it does help to pick – to do something with a shape in mind. But you don't always have to do that because people are going to read it. Yeah, Jack Skellington doesn't have a flat head, but yet True, I yeah. use. It's completely easy. You know, I use yeah. that. That's the piston I use for yeah. Jack Skellington. So it's yeah, art. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. up to interpretation, but I guarantee you, somebody will notice it and somebody will call it out. Yeah. Um, in fact, the guy who is who gave me the idea for the welder helmet, uh, Will Smiley, um, he is a big Star Wars guy. He would he would recognize that right out of the gate. Awesome. That that exact thing. So yeah. don't feel that you're what you're doing there is you're basically working from the ring the ring land down. Down, yeah. You know, so if you try to incorporate through the ring, well, those things they don't unless the character right. has cuts up there, yeah. or like a Frankenstein may have something stitched together where you can stitch over the ring gap and it looks organic, you know? So you try and use what right now you've just been given some pistons to work with, right? Yep. Now, once you're addicted, which is going to be very soon, (laughs) you don't have to do do crack or cocaine or whatever, any of these drugs, (laughs) this, this stuff is, is way more addictive <laughs> because you'll find yourself not sleep like, oh, what can I do next? Or once you pull it off and once somebody recognizes that it's cool or that you did something that, or they recognize that character you're pulling off, you're going to be like, oh, ego, 
you know, and then you're going to be like, I can't wait to do the next one, you know? So it's like, it, that's the high is chasing the, not the approval, but it's just to make people get what you're doing and yep. to, to enjoy it. And I think that one is going to be really neat. So I'd be happy to help you, uh, with some tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. And so would, uh, like donker at donker, um he does a little bit different style he's a really good um eric from france um ep31 he carves a different style sean pigeon but we're all really we're all i would like to think we're all really nice people in that we are more than willing to share information and help because that's kind of how how you grow you know yeah so um yeah, and we all have our different processes, uh, a little bit the same, but a little bit different there. So so don't stick to one, take a poll, but don't be an asshole, you know, ask me everything yeah, or yeah. Then not do anything do I said and anyway, tell yeah. me you didn't do what I did, you yeah. know, so, um, or what I, what I was suggesting or that anybody suggested, but you do, yeah. you, you take from people and, and yeah. come up with your thing, but that's really cool. Uh, I like that. And sometimes simplicity is the, well, like you say, it might be biting off more than you could chew, but on the other hand, it's a simplistic geometric design, but to try and pull that off is going to be tough because it's, exactly, it's yeah. a lot harder. Like you, you recognize that that's going to be to the average person that might, well, it's just a couple of lines here and there, but it's not, it's symmetry and, and all that. That's right. So that's, and that's, that's another it, thing. It's going to be, you've got to keep it symmetrical for one side or the other too. Yeah. So. So what are you going to do if it doesn't come out symmetrical or if you don't get your depth right? I have no idea. I'll probably worry about so that. So why not make it time, yeah. why not make it battle worn? Yeah. You could add damage to it, True. right? Yeah. You t- you could add damage to that design if it doesn't come out how as perfect as what you want. And yeah. now all of a sudden it's badass. Yeah. And nobody knows that you effed it you up. Messed it up, yeah. And now it's just bitching. So uh, I'm saying just keep your minds open, but reach out to people. And um, I say Johan is, well, a donker. Johan is just the nicest guy in the world. Alex is really nice uh, from Brazil, Alex Metal Art. Um, But just dive in there and you start doing that. You'll find support like you don't even know. Yeah. Also, uh, Southpaw49 from Russia. Uh, he's doing some killer piston work. Um, a lot of, when I first got on Instagram in 2017, after my friend talked to me or maybe 2018, talked, talked to me to getting on there and I'm all, I don't need that crap in my life. And then, um, I was like one of the only people I saw that was doing piston stuff. And now there's like tons you know, not that I started any of that because, like I said, uh, Tigger Welding is where I initially saw, and then uh, Barbie the Welder, uh, the video there um, is kind of where I got like, oh, you can do that with a piston. That's a cool idea, you know. So, um, so that's what we do. We take from others, I guess, and then we make it make it our own, hopefully, and go from there. That's, but I th- that can be said for everything, you know. I'm, I remember. Uh, back to right back in the day, racing BMX um, into uh, riding street BMX and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, like you sort of 
especially for us, you know, the, the VHS was the thing. So you're watching whatever whatever the latest release is. Like I think for us it was like props and things like that. So we're watching the latest thing, and it's it's all the American guys, all the all the international guys, and you're seeing the stuff that they're doing. So you start to practice the stuff that they're doing, and you're taking from them the things that they're doing, but you're making it your own. And it's, yeah. it's the exact same thing. Well, that's how everything evolves, right? Exactly, that's how, yeah. I mean, uh, one of the best motocross racers to ever live, Jeremy, Jeremy McGrath, was a BMXer, right? Yeah. Well, he did that first knack-knack yeah. over a double. Well, he was, he rode, what do you ride, Haro's, I think? Um, and then Bob Haro, of course. But, um, but Jeremy McGrath, now all of a sudden we have freestyle motocross. Yep. And it was all because of those first, you know, people used to do one-handers and one-legger, no-footers, but this was the first time somebody basically dismounted a motorcycle in the air and looked back and sideways, and then from there it was on. Now, next thing you know, Travis Pastrana is doing a backflip, or Kerry Hart did the first Kerry one. But, the first one. Well, that's um, actually interesting story. We're going, we're going way off topic, and it's fine. We're, let's just awesome. go with it. Um, the, oh, what was his name? Was it... Um, Jose Yanez, I think. I've, I've, I've probably got it completely wrong. Um, I'll have to do my homework and, and get back to everybody on that. He was the first person ever to do a backflip. It was on an RM80. No kidding. No kidding, yeah. I actually got that from um, – I've had a, a guy on previously, Steve Summerfield. He has his own podcast called The Riders' Lounge, and he was talking about it on there. And he's actually gotten the – there's a guy um, trying to bring out the documentary of, of this man. And because it was the first, uh, one of the first to do it on BMX, and we're talking, BMX was back in the eighties. Yeah. And I, th and I think the the motorcycle, the R, the yeah, the RM eighty was back like I think it was early nineties. Yeah, yeah, they had, uh, yeah, definitely been around a long time. It's like a, yeah. you know, yeah. I know we get like off topic, but to me, it's all things motors, all things eighties yeah. uh, uh, and nineties. You know, that's the yeah. era I grew up in eighties. So you know, like. BMX is relatable, uh, all that. I've restored a lot of, in fact, I have a 24 inch uh, SoCal flyer, uh, um, basically a, a bigger PK ripper, you know, <laughs> so, uh, SE racing bike out in my garage. That's what I cruise. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited to see what you do with this piston thing. And I would encourage your listeners to follow you on Instagram and just, hopefully you're going to post this out there. I will, I will, yeah. I, I love posting the things that I fail at, so this should be good. It'll be entertaining either way, you know, like whether it works or not, it'll be it'll be fun to watch. So. Yeah, I think you're going to find it addictive, and then it's going to be a little bit frustrating, but you have to engineer or how to do it. But I think with a few tips and stuff, you'll have some decent success at first. And um, But you can't – what do I want to say? You need to fail forward, yeah. right? Yep. So you can't expect to nail it. Like some people get all mad because they as the first try is not that great. But be excited yes. about it. however it comes out. Be excited because it's still something that ninety percent of the world won't even try it because yep. of the fear of failure. I'm, I'm, as I was, the first one again, I'll show you later. The first one that I sort of started to draw up. As I was drawing it, I was sort of looking at your stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to nail this. It's going to look exactly like, not exactly like yours, but it's going to look as good as your stuff does. And I'm sort of looking at it going, I put way too much detail into this. I don't even know. Like, I haven't even taken the Dremel and put it to the surface of this thing yet. I don't, you know, first thing I'm going to do is probably hit hit a burr on the surface and just go zoop, straight across the whole thing with it, you know? Like, like yeah. it's going to be perfect. It's going to be exactly like this sort of stuff. It's going to look so cool. 
Well, hopefully it is. And like I said, with a few tips, like don't press too hard on the, let the tool do the work, you know, and keep a light, keep a light hand. And then you add, so even just the, the couple of videos, maybe if I have a couple of videos that you might, if you do hear a lot of times I leave the sound in there and it would just blare, you know, it'll, it's like going to the dentist, you know, all of a sudden all your teeth stop, start hurting. (laughs) But if you just, if you watch that and you don't really see what I'm doing so much, but you listen to the tool, you'll hear, you know, it'll go and you'll hear the difference. So you'll kind of know when I'm putting pressure or I'm not putting pressure on there. So, um, and I'm, and I am by no means as good as many people with these things. It's just, I've got, you know, a feel for it. I make a mistake on almost every one of them. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll work that in. Maybe it's not because I'm doing it all freehand yeah. by hand and with just my eyeballs, I'm not looking under a microscope or nothing. And it, it's kind of, that's how they all have their different character. Like you could, you might think it looks the same, but if you put two next to each other, even if I did everything on the same side, it won't be the same. It's yeah. just cause it's, it's however I held the tool at that time, or I happen to curve the piston and the tool while I'm working on it. And then I look at it and I say, okay, that's, he's got the right look, you know? Yeah. So awesome. that's just how it goes, but jump in there and do it, man. Absolutely. Well, we might, um, we might start a rubber up there. Um, <laughs> I know <laughs> I've gone way over probably. That's all right. Now, the one thing I did want to have a chat with you about was the, um, the, your use of bullet casings. Where did, where did that idea come from? Was that something you grabbed from somewhere or was it something you had and you're just going with it? Because I well, it's, it's like, got them, yeah? it's like a tough guy thing. I'm, I'm a shooter and reloader, you know, I reload my own ammunition. Yep. So I have, and when I go out shooting, I pick up spent casings on the ground from people that don't know how to reload so i find brass you know uh, when i chewed a lot and again i go back to clint eastwood and chomping on the cigar yeah well i'm over here i've got a garage full of bullet cases and stuff and i just thought you know what that would be cool to chomp on that's like attitude that's like yeah. you know a cigar that, so i was trying to think of where it came out of us is like what could i use for a cigar so I actually did early on, I did an actual bullet, you know, and it was pointed and I just didn't like that. And I did a, um, I just had different casings and I thought I started going smaller. So my number one has a 30 carbine, you know, which was a weapon used in world war one by the, the allies and a 30 caliber carbine straight wall, basically kind of like a long pistol cartridge and a little bit too. And so then I get bigger and then the 45 ACP is kind of my go-to, um, 45 caliber, uh, 1911 pistol. It's like the most iconic firearm probably ever for sidearm and maybe worldwide even. Um, uh, so then I, I shoot a 45, I have a 1911 I got lots of, and the brass is a good size. So I, I like to use the pistol cases cause they're shorter and fatter. And, uh, I don't like to use a rimmed case usually because it's bigger than the cigar portion. So um, I'm kind of choosy about, but yeah. when I did um, the Union Jack Austin or the the Austin Mini Piston, I picked a 303 British casing yep. um, because British car. That's so really cool, yeah. um, it, I try to tie stuff like that in, like the the piston that I just sent to Alex down in Brazil. I chose a Rio Ammo R I O because Rio de Janeiro de Janeiro, yeah. but Rio 
the 12 gauge shells happen to stay Rio ammo. So it's a little tie. It's these little secret tie in things that I do. And there's stuff that I did on that, that nobody will ever see, but I know it's there. You know, yeah, so if you disassembled the piston, you would find that I actually put brass wire into the wrist pin clips just to take up a little space, but yet you can't really see it unless you look at it with a flashlight, but it's there, you know, because yeah, yeah. yeah it's just a little finishing touch I did. So, uh, awesome. yeah, that's where I just kind of started was again, Clint Eastwood. You look at the, the drifter, his drifter character, he's yeah. always chomping on a cigar. So I was trying to always go for that, the teeth chomping down on it yeah and a crooked smile that's that was my thing so that's where I, it came I, from i feel like clint eastwood does that even even without the cigar in movies now <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> kind of has to, to hold his dentures in no yeah. i'm kidding no <laughs> look, he's, he's giving himself that look. he's probably pigeoned himself a bit pigeonholed himself a bit into that look and now he's got yeah. a bit so. but he was my movie hero man that was like uh There'll never be another one of him again. I, I can guarantee that Absolutely. as much as they try. But uh, that, that's where I drew my inspiration from was his drifter character with the with the serape. Yeah. Throw it back and pull his gun. And he had that the flat brimmed hat on. But uh, it was always that scowl and the the little beard or the, the stubble beard. You know, that's I put yeah. that on some of them, you know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, anyways, that's it. That's kind awesome. of where I got that. Awesome. Well, let, let us let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, I'm on, I have a piston face on Facebook. Um, so some people are Facebook. I have piston face there. I have a piston face. Uh, my website is um, www.pistonfaceart.com. And I had a store where I would sell shirts stuff, but I just closed that down. You can't buy pistons off of there. The, I put some, uh, my wife actually designed the site. She put, piston pictures on there and they're basically all some of my older or they're good carvings but they're some of the older ones and that's just a basically a contact a point of contact so you can email me you know there's a submission form on there so until i decide to merch back up or do something that way i may open the store back up but you could i can my pistons i've been fortunate enough they sell and i could sell a piston in 30 seconds if i wanted to yeah and maybe I'm too cheap because they they sell so fast. That people need to tell me I need to raise the price, I guess. But um, but I've been fortunate in that aspect that people like what I do, and that's why I do it. And uh, the website and Instagram is where I mostly post every single thing. And I even do some stupid bad celebrity impression T-shirt reviews and uh, like really bad impressions. Uh, but they're, they're mostly for the person that sent me the shirt or I got their shirt. And some people don't like them and some people laugh or think they're funny. But that's what I – if I'm feeling silly, I'll go do. Like I did Sean Connery uh, doing a work hard apparel shirt, and I was quoting from the Untouchables movie, uh, but changing the words. So nobody would ever know unless they even knew. But I don't know. It's really bad. It's it's not good. It's just it's just kind of silly and funny. But I did that basically for Eddie, uh, for Work Hard Apparel, uh, the guy that owns the the place. Uh, it's just kind of like inside joke. Yeah. Even though I've got like twelve thousand followers, it's I, a lot of things I do is an inside joke because it's these are organic and real people. So it's I just throw it out there, and it's I'm not trying to get likes or get uh, impress somebody. I guess is what you'd say. 
awesome. I enjoy it. And that's just kind of how, so I'm just kind of out there on a mostly Instagram, Facebook. I'll get back to you a little bit. I don't get on there too much. It's more of a political platform anymore. So I, uh, Instagram is a very supportive community. Community, So you'll find that once you start going in there, just no matter what you are, like even other podcasters and stuff like that, you probably find that may hopefully that ego is out of it and they're helping you do your podcast and they're helping you grow your brand yep there's um, i would hope that that's the case yeah hopefully hopefully i've remembered and i've shouted shouted them out in the start of the podcast which i do post recording uh but there is a new podcast out australian guys uh, never late podcast so go and check them out guys um doug thank you so much for joining me here oh Thank you. Sorry for yapping your ear off. I see we went probably, <laughs> I probably set a record over uh, there, a marathon. No, we've, no, we've had. Um, you just edited it all out. We've just... <laughs> broken two hours before too, so that's fine. Yeah, it's kind of tough for me because we're you know, like when I think of gutter to gutter, I think all things automotive or all things machinery, and then you have some art and different. You cover a lot of different things, which is really neat. You didn't pigeonhole yourself to just this one thing. I, I so, feel like I've had to sort of stretch away because, I mean, I wanted to do everything, you know what I mean? I wanted to cover uh, just auto, the automotive industry as a whole rather than sort of, sort of pigeonhole myself. But I feel like I started out, um, obviously, you know, I, I came from sort of mini trucking early in the days, early back in the days in the Sydney scene. So I feel like I've pigeonholed myself within mini trucking and kind of drifting, which is kind of what I'm trying to get into now. So yeah. kind of... Because I'm in between those two worlds, sort of thing. Like I know a lot of people in the mini trucking industry who have, you know, come up, made really, really good things happen today, and um, you know, starting to meet with all this drift community. I feel like I kind of pigeonhole myself there, so I'm really trying to get out of that, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully that shows. I think that's the right thing, the right way to look at it, because when you keep your sphere of people like this, right, you're you're here. Yeah. But what you're going to find out, let's say you have CR22 on your show or Chad Reed, you know, motocrosser, yeah. right? Australian or Greg Albertine or somebody. Well, more than likely they're in the age group where they've been in that scene or they know people in this other racing. You know, who thought Travis Pastrana would be a rally car driver, right? Yeah. So opening your horizons actually opens your whole sphere of, of people and that you're going to you'll get into, you'll grow yourself bigger rather than you'll end up where you want to be, I guess is what I want to say by broadening your horizons, you know? So, uh, not that anybody cares about what I'm doing. So you probably just screwed the pooch on this one, but no, just, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah, anyways, yeah, I would encourage you. Yeah. Just to reach out for all types of, you know, gutter to gutter. I like the, the, the name of that and stuff. It's catchy, right? So, uh, having those other types of people, even the, the, the screen or the shirt people on there, that was awesome because I just happened to be checking into that. So that caught I've, my eye. I've had a lot of people reach out to me go, that is, yeah. And it was never anything more for me than to try and get out there to people like yourself and the people that have reached out to me, there is avenues, you know, you don't have to, we'll chat and talk about it before we started. You've had to do a massive purchase of all these shirts. And you're still holding on to some of them years later, you know, like, yeah. oh, that's the one thing I wanted to get out there is the fact that people don't have to do that anymore. You don't have to do pre-orders. 
you don't have to do you don't have to hold on to merchandise yourself sure you don't make as much off it but for me and for, for most people who would be listening and doing that sort of thing i feel like they're more wanting to get their name out and all that sort of gear so yeah yeah. Well, that's always driven me nuts about, you know, like Tommy Hilfiger or something like that. It's like, you want me to pay 50 bucks so that I can advertise your crap? Yeah. Right? It's So it's like, it's kind of like my, our shirts, we try to make them as affordable as possible. They cost us yeah. a lot. And I paid a lot for the art, the back artwork and stuff. And um, I kind of bartered for the front artwork through a tattoo artist. Yeah. And, uh, but it's that type of thing. You're just trying to get your name out there and, and then you want people to to represent you or whatever so yeah. it's like don't charge them through the nose you exactly. know for a t-shirt you know so yeah. it's just a garment it's going to end up in the garage polishing your wheels you know so. <laughs> that's, that's what happens in so, ultimately doesn't it yeah yeah ultimately they get too holy and your wife says uh no you're not wearing that out in yeah. public anymore so <laughs> not really uh, yeah yeah, it was such a pleasure to chat with you, Thank and you so uh, much, it, very nice to meet you. And I, I sure appreciate you putting up with my going off on tangents there. I, that's, I know that's I what we do. Didn't. Tangents are what we do. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I ever get the pleasure to talk to you again, just send me a script, and I'll stick to it. <laughs> no, it's, just... it's all good. All right. Well, I expect yeah. to see some pictures of that piston in its glory as it is now. Yeah. So take before and during shots. I. I forget sure. to do that all the time, but in process, yep. um, you know, that way when you rough it out, you can say, oh, maybe I'll go with this. You're going to say, oh, maybe I'll go this way or that way next time or use this tool. So yep. anyways, we'll uh, talk to you soon, right? Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you, mate. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening in, and I hope to have you tune in again next week. Don't forget to head over and follow Gather Together on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Gather Together Podcast. I'd greatly appreciate it if you could share the podcast with a friend and even consider leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. I look forward to bringing you more next week, so please have a great week and look after each other.